It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King Quarantine Week 4. How's it going, Torin? And do not listen through the lens of uh, we are tired or we are antsy or we are struggling with COVID-19. Because trust me, if I have my video camera on inside of this podcast, I don't even know if there's a technology that does that, Jay. <laughs> but if my video camera was on, you'd see a kid in a black sweat uh, hoodie type thing, cap, you know, smiling. Energy is on 1000. We are ready to rock and roll. I know we have another great show. And, and Jay's right. You know, I don't even know where this is going to to uh, play in our rotation, but we are in week three of COVID-19, week three of, well, actually week three of being in quarantine, self-imposed quarantines, if you will. And we hope that each and every one of you out there are doing all right. Yep. Yep. It's uh, just think about not being stuck at home, but being safe at home. That's what I've been telling my kids and myself all week for three, four weeks now. And, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll get there and, and things are good and we're all safe and we're all doing our thing. And I think getting to know each other a lot better through a lot of Zoom conference calls and uh, seeing how each other lives. Yeah. You know, Jay, I'm actually pulling up a group chat with my family. Uh, I'm smiling because right now I should send this to you. Um, but there was an Instagram. I saw it on Instagram. No, I actually I saw. It. Yeah, I think I saw it on Instagram and the guy was it was an image of a person in an airplane sitting on the wing. Okay. But when it, but it was zoomed in. So as the camera panned out, it was actually a guy sitting in his laundry room and the camera. Oh. Was, <laughs> I saw this. I saw, saw this. Yeah. So yes. I, I say that for all of you out there, if in fact you are feeling a bit antsy, stressed out, tired, your energy is not on 1000 like Julie and I just find something like on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or YouTube or just find something to take your mind away from, you know, where we are. A dear friend of mine down in uh, Atlanta, she's in supplier diversity for Accenture and she put up an image on uh, uh, on her Instagram account and the image literally, Julie, it was. Uh, a, a bikini, two-piece bikini on a hanger taped to the refrigerator. And then below <laughs> that, it had a little note, like on a white piece of paper with a black magic marker, and it said, "You girl, you are not hungry. Summer is coming. So literally, she she reminds herself every time she opens up her <laughs> refrigerator that, yeah, I'm, I've been in week three, but I can probably walk away from whatever it is that I'm trying to get out of here. So let's have a good time today. So I want to ask you, I heard this asked on a really great podcast um, earlier this week I was listening to, and the hosts asked each other, what do you want to take away in your heart and in your head and how you change from all of this time and all of this change to the norm? What, what is the one thing that Torin takes from the pandemic into the new norm? 
You know, that's such a great question. I hadn't really thought about it through that lens. I thought about it from the standpoint of a skill, and I mentioned it on one of the previous episodes that I wanted to learn an M learning iMovie. Mm-hmm. But if I had to give a an immediate answer, hoping that you would allow me to course correct if I thought about <laughs> it for another 48 hours. But the one thing that I think that I would want to take away um, is that we can operate in a posture of just deep, deep, deep humanity that, mm-hmm. you know, when we see one another, we can speak and and that what we were rushing to is not necessarily all that important. And that if, in fact, we didn't get that item done on our list, there's always tomorrow and we can do tomorrow without regret. I want us to have, you know, we go through this when we experience these uh, scenarios like 9-11 or, or what, when we experience these really, really big events, there's this increased degree of connectedness. And then, you know, months after that, it's like we just forget, you know, all of what we just simply went through. So so I think the one thing that I want to take away is that we have a permanence of connectedness to humanity. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, for me, it is that I've always struggled with being present, um, but it, it's really, I think, a little different than being present, but is to slowing down yep. and recognizing that what I'm accomplishing from a work perspective is enough and that the rest of that time needs to be devoted to having a, a, a better work-life balance and having more engagement in our community, but also just not being so wrapped up in the news and, and all of those things that get your brain down. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you say, I'm, I'm just listening to listen to the news. It does affect you emotionally. It affects me emotionally. And, and so, you know, we've been turning off the TV a lot. We've, you know, been working outside a lot on the patio, enjoying the sun, enjoying, you know, walking the dogs and saying hi to our neighbors. And, and I really think that collective slowdown and acknowledgement that uh, other people are there and ready to be um, a, a part of our lives and, and, a, and a more impactful part of our lives if we allow them to, it is really kind of my go forward reminder is to just remember we can live life a little bit slower and everything is still going to be okay. If yeah. not, probably a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we're hoping for. You know, that in the midst of this trial, this tribulation that we emerge and that things are a little bit better. And I've said it before and will continue to say it. There's a lot uh, that I want to leave behind. And so I'm yep. hoping that in this this period of, uh, of pan- pandemic that we find a number of things that we are able to root out and we choke out of the system and that they are not a part of our day to day. They're not a part of our institutions uh, going forward. So I'm absolutely uh, looking forward to leaving some things behind. So let me tell you, I know we have a great show today. Uh, We really plan uh, for our listeners. Julie and I plan to reinforce a few tips that you you might consider as you uh, look at this work from home posture. We are uh, in no way discounting or minimizing the essential and frontline talent 
Um, you know, because we really have no idea how many of you are listening. But the way that we built the show today is we really want to focus on some strategy for individuals that we do know are in a work from home remote posture, not in the office like they typically might be. Um, uh, so if you do find yourself as a listener and you are in one of these essential roles, you are in a frontline role, uh, healthcare worker, uh, working in a warehouse, you are part of a trucking system delivery. If you're listening to the podcast, ping us, you know, find us on social media. Julie is at Julie Sowash, J-U-L-I-E-S-O-W-A-S-H on Twitter. And I'm at Torin Ellis on Twitter. Ping us and let us know. and We'll build an episode specifically for you. We have absolutely no problem. We really want to reinforce and explore areas where we have not necessarily built out and delivered a lot of content. To that end, uh, today we're going to be addressing, once again, people that typically might be working from home because they normally would be in the office. And we're also going to look at a space that we have not really looked at, which is the nonprofit uh, sandbox. We, We really haven't spent a lot of time there, have we, Julie? Uh, we haven't. And, you know, I kind of generally think of our listeners as corporations um, yeah. or, or people who work in corporations. And as a person who works in a nonprofit, I've really seen how this has impacted us, um, but also how it might help shape some of the things that we need to do from a diversity and inclusion perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll kick it off. You know, we yeah. we know that these uh, remote working conditions Uh, present a bit of a challenge in a variety of ways. And one of them is keeping diversity and inclusion, keeping equity and belonging forefront uh, on the minds of many versus the minds of few or none whatsoever. And it comes as no surprise that for a number of us, these current conditions challenge everything that we know, everything that we believe about Uh, showing up differently without sacrificing and cheating on that phrase of bring your whole self to work. Like we, we loved saying that phrase, bring your whole self to work. And so one of the articles or one of the the companies that I want to highlight is a company by the name of Humu. That's H-U-M-U. You can find them online at humu.com. Three co-founders, Laszlo Block, who used to work for uh, Google. If you are in the HR space or talent acquisition space, you definitely recognize the name Laszlo Block. Uh, You got Wayne Crosby, and then you have Dr. Jesse Wisdom, an incredible woman uh, who is in the people science space. But uh, one of the things that I found interesting about what Humu does is they provide these nudges. And these nudges are, you know, they are text and digital in in their uh, appearance and they, they work inside of a, a routine. They have some level of consistency, some level of process, if you will. And they are science-based nudges that will hit you on your digital platform or your digital device and just ask you a question. They will remind you to do something. They are a continuous, continued way of, you know, keeping you or establishing that consistency necessary in reaching each and every employee uh, in an alternative way to email, to Slack, and to a phone call. And the reason why I, I really wanted to highlight Humu is because we, uh, a number of us struggle right now with, you know, we're, we're beginning to build an alternative reality. What I mean by that is we are now leaning on Zoom or Skype or G chat or some other 
blue jeans, some other uh, technology or platform. And a lot of people are, they're turning their cameras off. Um, they were introverted and quiet in the office. And now they get to be even more detached, more removed because they are in, in effect out of sight, out of mind. And so I want us to make sure that as people that care about diversity and inclusion, people that are in capacity of leadership, Julie, I want us to make sure that we are continuously pushing out an effort uh, to bring everyone, to bring more people into the conversation and allow not allow them to hide behind the digital uh, barrier of out of sight, out of mind. Make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I mean, I was I hadn't heard of Humu before uh, we prepped for this podcast, and I was kind of checking it out, a little unsure about it at first. But you know, I was quickly reminded about how we are talking constantly about removing the fear factor from disability and inclusion, the fear factor for managing people with disabilities, those kind of things, and we know that. Training is an ongoing need and behavioral change happens when we're in our comfort zone, right? And so we can have those little pushes, those little nudges that I think create an opportunity to bring things to our the top of our mind when we're in the go, when we're in the go um, all the time. And it also takes away some of that pressure of when you have that one-on-one conversation, maybe with a peer, maybe with a direct report, when they need to recognize a behavior change, I think it would lessen that need for that conversation because those behaviors will happen less often. And you'll also have more peer-to-peer conversations when um, inappropriate behavior happens, when they say, hey, um, that's probably not the best word to use or the best thing to say. And, And that's because everyone is starting to think collectively in not as one, but collectively about the impact of of diversity and inclusion or their leadership style or, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I thought it, it's kind of a low key way to start to just really nudge, right? <laughs> Those behavioral changes and keep things top of mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always talk often about, you know, that importance of being heard. You, you, you mentioned it just a moment ago, uh, but I talk about being heard often and and that for many that are in underrepresented categories, they feel like no one's listening. And so the second thing that I wanted to make sure we reinforced uh, in this particular segment is that we need to do a better job of listening. We need to be a better stewards of listening uh, at, at a corporate level. We need to be better leaders about listening. We need to be better colleagues, better teammates, better peers uh, around listening. And from a corporate level, there are a number of solutions out there that will help you listen. Uh, some from Qualtrics, Questback, Gallup, Willis Towers, Watson, and others. And, and really the ones that I mentioned, I mentioned them because for the short term, I don't know how long, but for the short term, they've made uh, free their COVID-19, um, I guess, services or some of their offerings. And so you may want to check some of those organizations out and see what they are doing around COVID-19 and helping the corporation to do a better job of listening. This actually might be a good time for for uh, me to plug for you to share the podcast with people inside of your HR, your marketing, your customer and or employee engagement functions. We'd love to have some new listeners, listeners that are not directly tied to DNI, uh, but make sure you share the podcast with them. Anyway, uh, my point is that 
as people, you should deepen your listening to people's emotional and well-being. This is not a time for us to put up roadblocks and barriers. This is not a time for uh, us to to become uh, micromanagers. This is certainly not a time for us to 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 drill down and 10x on our micromanagement. There is a way for us to be better, more present leaders. uh, And we can do that without seeming as if people are elementary, people are novices. We can treat them like adults and we can start by doing a better job of listening. And right now, yes. people's emotional and well-being are being severely challenged. You know, folks are right now struggling with their own personal mental health, family, uh, environments are being challenged, financial challenges are are present, health concerns are arising up, whether they just be stress-related or actually associated with the uh, pandemic. There's a lot up to and including bereavement for a number of people. And so we did an episode last year with with, with Tim Sackett that actually talked about uh, bereavement. So if you haven't heard that episode, I highly encourage you to check it out. I want to say that that one aired in the July, August timeframe of 2019. But man, make sure that you are listening because individuals and families are grappling with this you know, this COVID-19 diagnosis. And so the second thing that I want to leave people with today in this segment, just be human and listen even more. Listen even more. And, you know, when we think about bereavement, I think as as just generally as people, but especially as leaders, we think about bereavement in the context of a physical loss, a, a death. And one thing that I've learned as as a person who struggled with with mental health and um, raising a son who is gay is that bereavement and mourning is actually a, a much more universal and, and very on different levels and gradations of something that we go through. And when all of us right now are going through a mourning process for something, through a bereavement process for something. You know, I've got an 18-year-old who doesn't get to go to prom, whose graduation is canceled, who's going to spend the last part of her senior year sitting at our dining room table doing um, e-learning. And, you know, my my daughter had to come back from college and, and all of these kind of things. And as kind of sometimes inconsequential as we can make those things feel or we can view them in in terms of people going through them as leaders and as humans i think it's it's good to go back and listen to that second conversation because he said let's act like humans let's talk about things let's be open let's not be scared to um be a little bit more transparent in the things that we're feeling and and know that even if people aren't saying how they're grieving or how they're mourning the way that their lives have changed right now, they are. And that is impacting their productivity and it is impacting how they feel about your company and about you as a leader. And we need to slow down and say, stuff is weird. Things are weird. We're going to get through it. Let's have a, a, a you know Zoom happy hour. Let's have a conversation. I'm texting my team every single day. How you doing? How you holding up? How the kids? How's the wife? You know those kind of things that help to remind them that I see them as powerful and important people in my life, not just the cog in the wheel. And I think you know 
we're already seeing a lot of that pushback, a lot of that cog in the wheel feeling from these big, big corporations who've not taught their leaders to think about their employees as, as full humans and, and not just that cog in the wheel. And I, I think that Sackett episode is a great, a great bring up, Torn, that uh, that will remind us all a little to be um, more open and honest. Yeah. And, t- and speaking of honesty, uh, just a real quick text that I received just this, just uh, this week, this morning. Uh, it says realistically, and tell me the truth. None of this strong man shit. Are you worried? Think we can recover from this? T. I feel like every single time I get on solid footing, the world tips its axis. Something happens, and I feel like I'm treading water yet again. To have all this happen in my first year of business, I'm unnerved. My husband had an accident. I left the media platform. I'm losing money. Now this. What a time to be alive. So we have to be uh, in a posture of listening. We have to allow people to just simply be who they are and figure out how we can help support them being their whole self. Final point that I want to leave in this segment, uh, and thanks for indulging me, Julie. Final point is, you know, I, I have this formula that I have shared over time with individuals around how to pursue um, ascension and progress in the organization. Uh, And I consider it to be time-tested. It's not scientific, but I consider it to be a really solid three-part formula. It's around creative contribution, market knowledge, and conviction. Well, in this work from home posture, I wanna just focus for a moment on uh, creative contribution. And I found an article over on MIT Sloan. The article is titled Managing the Flow of Ideas in a Pandemic. Of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, But in this short piece, uh, it talks about this current posture uh, of working from home and how it intensifies the importance of capturing ideas that will enhance and improve the workplace, client engagement, procurement, supply chains, and more, like much of our businesses. And what I loved, Julie, is the article list, a myriad of tools that individuals and companies can use to monitor, uh, whether it be your participation during a conference call. Uh, It could be graphs around engagement over email and Slack channels. Uh, It could even be about standing up idea markets where where people can post ideas and maybe even win rewards uh, when other folks endorse the idea. So as an example, you and I are on this uh, podcast. And if we had a hundred other people on the podcast and, and two or three of us put some ideas out, we can share them, we can vote on them, we can comment on them even in real time and then be able to determine how we want to move forward. So I loved the article titled Managing the Flow of Ideas in a Pandemic. And, and I'm bringing it up uh, to close, Julie. It's because this is vital to inclusion. Uh, it's vital that we continue to have everyone to participate, extrovert, introvert alike. It's vital uh, that we also address the folks that are neurodiverse and or the people that just simply need a bit more time to adjust and to respond. Yeah, I give you an example of 100 people being on this call with you and I, Julie, but there are inside of that 100, there are people who 
you know, no matter what, they just need time to process, to walk away from the call and then come back and give us something exhilarating and substantive. And so we just want to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to get everyone involved and not just relying on the voice of a few, the voice of the extroverts. When we design these systems well, when they are human centered, when they have regular pulse checks, they serve as powerful and powerful enablers. Uh, to effectively build, monitor, and recalibrate the inclusion efforts that we say we care about. Absolutely. If we take anything away from this pandemic, if we've done our work right, it's going to create a much stronger level of leader Absolutely. in our companies and our organizations. Or if we do it wrong, we're, we're going to lose a lot of great people to those leaders that did learn how yep. to manage their teams more effectively and more Humanly. Yeah, absolutely. So those are my three, but you found something incredible uh, over on Lexology around the nonprofit space. Talk about that. Yeah. So I, I work for a nonprofit, as, as you've heard me say many times, and it, nonprofits live on shoestring budgets all of the time, right? And coronavirus and these kind of pandemics or, or big shifts in economic reality are especially impactful to organizations that live in the very tightest of margins and and serve those who are most vulnerable. And with the changes in the 2017 tax laws, the ability to give and write off um, charitable donations and charitable activities has really changed a lot. And so there was already a a tightening of the belts that we've been feeling pre-coronavirus post-2017 that we've been kind of living with and measuring. And now we kind of take it to this new level where, for example, we have a huge gala every year and we're doing it virtually this year. We had to cancel the the black tie event. That's one of the main fundraisers that we have every year. Um, Services that are provided that like the government pays for can't be done because we can't be doing in-person activities or employment services and those kind of things. And, you know, state budgets, I think New York is a really great example, has a requirement for a balanced budget. And so with state budgets being really redirected and and planning for future shortfalls, that's also going to kind of directly contribute to this midterm shortfall of, of money um, for nonprofits who are already kind of doing their thing. And, you know, so when I say this, you know, it, it is to kind of set the stage um, for for how we can think about diversity and inclusion in nonprofits. Um, and it's hard, right? I mean, like anyone living through this time, it's hard for us to think about diversity and inclusion or kind of what we're thinking of as non-essential business needs um, to just keep money flowing in the door. And, you know, when we have these kind of situations that we're living in right now, and then you even, you know, start to see charitable giving being redirected to like high profile celebrity foundations and collaborations, instead of going to the organizations on the ground already doing the work, we're seeing a lot of recreation of the wheel. Um, and, And there's some pretty big limitations in the stimulus packages that have come out that are going to help nonprofits. They're not as advantageous as the um, 
as they are for corporations. And so we are really being impacted, not we just at Disability Solutions and Ability Beyond, but nonprofits around the world. And I, I don't raise that for a point of anything other than to say that we still have to recognize what our opportunities are and what we think is essential. And this Lexology article really got me thinking about that. And so Vicki Brown, who's the CEO of the Association of Chief Executives of Voluntary Organizations, um, said, although we will be impacted by COVID-19, we will not all be impacted equally, mm. right? And so that's really starting to, to be shown in this COVID crisis right now. We are seeing that the tide doesn't rise raise all boats evenly, that we're seeing more black and brown people be impacted by COVID. We're seeing people with disabilities being more impacted by COVID. So are the organizations that are serving them. Yep. And so we've as, as a company done a lot of emergency planning and all of these incredible, an incredible amount of work on execution to keep people safe and to keep the doors open and keep people getting services that they need. But there's still an opportunity here. No, so there's, that was, there's a big opportunity. Let me jump in real quick, Julie. And, yeah. and I love this example of nonprofit. I actually reached behind myself as we were recording and uh, I think I shared that I've been doing these IG live sessions on Mondays at 12 p.m. But but I pulled out a book that I refer to. And I think it's a great book to insert right here in this segment for our listeners. If you have not read Blue Ocean Shift, highly encourage you to read Blue Ocean Shift. And really what Julie is talking about is so apropos, you know, underserved uh, uh, communities, uh, lesser known nonprofits they are going to take a tremendous hit uh, as it relates to being able to re, uh, regain their footing. Uh, I'll use that for lack of a better term to regain their footing post COVID-19. Blue Ocean Shift is a great read for our listeners. It will help you if you are in corporate America. It will help you if you are in a nonprofit and inside of such they actually highlight a European-based nonprofit that does something with the red noses. So I just wanted to put that in there real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think that's that. That's a fantastic book, and it's definitely worth a read. And I think if we're thinking strategically as nonprofits, we should be thinking that this is an area of reckoning for us. And what we've done in so many charitable organizations is we have not – put diversity and inclusion into practice at our leadership and at our service levels. And what that is resulting in now is that we don't have access to a donor base, to a corporate base, to influential people of color, to influential and powerful women, to influential people in the LGBTQ community because we have not engaged them, we have not prioritized diversity and inclusion as a nonprofit sector. And, you know, last year, Torn, we were always talking about how I was sort of coming to grips with being a white woman with a disability and how my voice is very different than a black woman with a disability or a black woman without a disability. 
and how I needed to learn to listen better. Yep. And there was the, the Twitter hashtag, um, uh, disability so white. And that like really was a wake up moment for me. And I, I guess I didn't even know this. So I read this article. There's also a hashtag charity. So white. Mm. And, you know, at the, at the beginning of, of our fiscal year, which is coming up, we've been collecting information from our leadership team about, you know, where do we want to go? What are our strategic goals for this upcoming fiscal year? And, and for me, my challenge to our CEO and our board was to get some diversity onto our board onto our leadership team and, and stop making excuses for the lack of focus uh, on on diversity and inclusion and what kind of opportunity that's going to create, um, not only to foster innovation, but to also grow our donor base and create compelling and inclusive stories to leaders that we've never had contact with because we haven't thought strategically about disability or diversity and inclusion. And as we're all managing a crisis, I actually sent this, this um, article over to my CEO this morning. It's, um, you know, how do we recognize this as an opportunity to come out of this crisis stronger and with more innovation and more inclusion as a strong business practice, right? It, it, not only is it, it the right thing to do, we always say that, but there's a lot of opportunity that we're allowing to slip by us by not having strong and diverse boards and workforces. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. I know it may sound a little tongue and tongue cheekish, but uh, if you are out there listening and you need an incredible mind, uh, African-American representation, strong, early 50s, uh, I can drop down and give you about 50 solid push-ups real quick. Uh, <laughs> you know, you need a strong, strong voice on your board of uh, directors. Holler at the boy. Holler at your man. Holler at the kid. Uh, because we, and especially if you are out this joint playing around like you Amazon and whatnot, and you dropping that $70,000, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Julie, that $70,000 uh, compensation for sitting on the board, holla, Torin Ellis on social media, uh, routing number, it, I'm, I'm just playing. <laughs> exactly. So, but no, seriously, you're absolutely right. And once again, even though we are in time of challenge, trial, tribulation, it still provides an incredible opportunity for us to say, how do we do DNI all in? Like yep. all in, not all press, in. like not press release style, not yep. initiative style, all in. How do you do DNI all in? Yep. And it's gotta be when it's not convenient. That that's, that's right. how you do it all in, right? So right. awesome. So Tor, you ready to go to name drops? Yeah, I got a name drop. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, so mine is to all the essential employees out there. Um, thank you for keeping our grocery stores stocked and the gas tanks full and keeping us safe and keeping this society running. And, and I hope that post COVID, uh, our leaders and our own hearts and our own heads can now understand and appreciate the value that you bring to the table and the importance of those roles in, in keeping society running. Absolutely. And I want to shout out uh, Bari Williams. I'm not on the website. I was trying to type it. That's why I wanted you to go first. I was trying to type <laughs> it, but shout out to Bari Williams. Uh, it's B-A-R-I 
last name Williams. I believe she's Bari Williams on Twitter, uh, but she dropped the book. It just came out. Uh, I believe the title of the book is Diversity in the Workplace. So shout out to Bari. Awesome. Awesome. So just as a quick reminder, as we wrap up, Torin and I will be on Facebook Live with Hung Lee for Recruiting Brain Food on April 17th at 9 a.m. And uh, otherwise, I'll just be hanging out around the house. Yeah, absolutely. And I, too, will be hanging out. But I have a couple of surprises that I want to uh, mention, one of which is I'm going to be emceeing a virtual film festival. It is an incredible experience. We'll probably uh, start putting the uh, collateral material out. But uh, if you are listening right now, you can go to Skill Scout um, and and get more information. But I'm going to be emceeing a virtual film festival on April 29th. Looking forward to that. I want to also say that, uh, you know, this particular episode for me was highly inspired by David Green. He's over in London. You can find him on Twitter at David underscore Green underscore UK. David underscore Green underscore UK. And I know we're at the end of the session, but Julie and I absolutely appreciate each and every one of you for listening. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We want you to share the pod with your digital tribe. We want you to encourage other people to listen. We are looking forward to that day where we can say that we crossed the line of 100,000 downloads or 100,000 listens, however that is, is monitored. But for now, we'll take the one that you give us. You can find me on SiriusXM channel 126 each and every Sunday at 1 p.m. We want you to be better humans. Julie and I simply want you to be better humans. Have an awesome rest of the week. We are Ghost. See ya. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.